All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe. Tell a friend. You know, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, if you happen to know someone who once a week uh, wouldn't mind hearing the just utter nonsense being spewed <laughs> uh, to the world, then maybe they want to take a little, uh, you know, a little dip into into the waters of, I mean, really just utter bullshit that's coming through uh, through this microphone. If you happen to know anyone who fits that uh, criteria, then, you know, send them my way, because, well, I don't think I'm going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, so, a little update about, you know, my life before we kick into uh, the topics of the day. I uh, I did something yesterday that I have not done in man in years. Like legitimately, been I I think like at least two years since I've done this, and just forgot how fucking terrible it is. But I was eating lunch, just a little sandwich uh, and a couple chips. Uh, flaming hot uh, Lay's potato chips, to be specific. The flaming hot little wave. Oh my! No, Ruffles, not Lay's. Ruffles. Flaming hot Ruffles are amazing. And so I was, you know, just tearing through a bag of those whilst eating my sandwich. And I stuck one of these damn canines so deep into my tongue. Oh my God! It. It like sent me into into like shock, damn near. <laughs> like I was like, you know, in uh, so like in The Shining, the part where Danny is uh, like looking into the like he's it looking at the uh, um, oh fuck, is it when he's having? I think it's when he's having like a vision of something, and his face is just like <laughs> like that for like. A really long time. That's basically what was happening uh, <laughs> whenever I bit my t- Oh, my God. It is. It's one of those like types of pain that you forget about how painful it is until it happens. Same with a paper cut. Like, I got a paper cut not that long ago. I must have done something. <laughs> Some sort of, like, bad luck has been coming my way. Um, but yeah, a couple of days ago, I got a fucking horrible paper cut on my finger. Haven't had one of those in a long time and felt it. And as soon as I did, I went, Ooh, yeah, that's that fucking pain that you don't experience in any other situation. Like I would rather, I would rather snap my fucking arm in half than bite my tongue again or, or get another paper cut. I mean, stubbing your toe is a whole other thing. Every time I stub my toe, I look down and expect to see my toe, like, completely sideways with a bone sticking out. Like, that's how, like, just that pain and, like, the immediate, like, warm numbness feeling that you get. You're like, oh, my God, my toe's probably, I mean, I don't know, decapitated, amputated. Like, my toe's probably amputated. And look down and the fucker's, like, slightly red. Uh, (laughs) But... Yeah, I mean, it was just like, I mean, I, my tongue has been hurting so bad, which I don't know if it's going to like pick up, like if you can tell, 
Like I don't I don't think I'm talking differently, but I do I am definitely having to like position my tongue in a way that is not, you know, normal position. And like I I don't know if I sound different, but I feel like I'm talking like goddamn Larry Flint right now. Like, <laughs> oh, what do you mean I'm a baby? Like that's that that is how I feel like I'm sounding like you gonna treat me like baby, I like dress like one. Like <laughs> Oh man, whole Lawrence. We miss you, buddy. God, what a nasty motherfucker that was. I mean, did amazing things. If you haven't seen The People vs. Larry Flint, highly recommend it. It is one of the greatest movies, I think. One of the greatest movies ever made. Woody Harrelson is Larry Flint. Edward Norton. Uh, Courtney Love is in it, which I know might seem like a reason to never watch it. But give it a chance. Courtney Love is actually, Courtney Love is actually a really good actress. Uh, like if you watch People vs. Larry Flint and Man on the Moon... As far as I know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know any of the movies she was in, but just those two alone, like she's, you know, pretty fucking decent. There were definitely worse actors in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyways, so that happened, and you know, I mean, I was this close from fucking, you know, go ahead and putting. Six rounds in the yell. <laughs> I mean, I was ready to like deer hunter, uh, <laughs> and just you know, end it, and you know, and just see what the fuck happens. Boy, I was I was ready. I mean, just like I can't even think straight right now. Like it hurts so fucking bad. And I, I mean, I might I think I'm sounding like a grade A bitch right now. Which I probably am. But I actually like to think I have a pretty high pain tolerance. Uh, emotional pain, mental pain. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely experienced a lot of all the types of pain you can experience. And, like, physical pain to me, like, just doesn't usually bother me that much. Um, I mean, I've had, like, you know, injuries that were... I mean, I've never, you know... Nothing like a, you know, not like I was at fucking D Day or something, <laughs> like at Omaha Beach, or, but I have had, you know, broken bones. I mean, I just from my sheer weight and growing up being a just a fat son of a bitch, uh, and then you start going through puberty, you get real clumsy all of a sudden, and you know, out of nowhere, you just start like spraining your ankle. Like, on a weekly basis. I mean, I would... I mean, it probably makes... It's, one, it's probably one of the reasons why I walk like... <laughs> like, like I walk like a, you know, wrestler from the 80s. <laughs> like, I have the same gait as, uh, you know, like, Kurt Henning. <laughs> Which I wonder... I hope Kurt Henning's still alive. Uh, who knows? He was a wrestler, I think. Or is it Doug Henning? One's a magician, one's a wrestler. I think Kurt Henning is a wrestler. Doug Henning is a fruity-ass magician. Or, you know, just magician. (laughs) Uh, So anyways. Yeah, like if you ever are unfortunate enough to meet me in person. um, 
I definitely feel like I have the walk of um, of either like like I basically have the lower body of a combination of Dick Butkus and uh, Tiny Tim, <laughs> and I completely uh, attributed it uh, attribute it to um, the I mean dozens and dozens of times that I just cracked my ankle. Just from being big, fat, and dumb. I don't know. I don't know what the point of any of this is, really. It's just what's going on in my world. I bit my tongue. <laughs> yeah, I bit my tongue. It sucked. Uh, now, every time I eat or drink something, it, I don't know. It's just not good. It hasn't been a good couple days. Yesterday and today have been, yeah, not so great. But that's all right. You know, life goes on. Uh, life is what you make it. Home is where you make it. You like to see homos naked. All right, so bu- 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 bu, let's just go ahead and move on because I feel like I've wasted way too much. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone on earth is listening to this right now, there can't be. I w- if you are, if you are listening to this right now, we are a little over 10 minutes into this. If you are listening right now, just leave a comment saying, yes, that's it. I am, I would bet, I mean, I would damn near bet my life that I am talking to no one right now. <laughs> I mean, I can say whatever the fuck I want. Oh, boy. Uh, here goes nothing. No, <laughs> whatever word uh, you thought I was gonna say, well, that's on you. Uh, really, just shows what kind of piece of shit, uh, piece of shit that you are. So, anyways, um, let's just move on. Talk about what's going on in the world. Um, actually, no. You know what I did do? I watched. So, in the midst of my um, you know, just feeling like absolute shit, uh, you know, not being able to eat, which, you know, for someone like me going, you know, double digit hours without eating is pretty fucking miserable. And that is kind of what I had to do on account of, uh, you know, biting my tongue and you know, again, just going back to the whole notion of me being a a real uh, sack of shit. Uh, sorry, I was talking and doing other things at the same time and not exactly sure what I just said. Um, <laughs> I was just keeping my mouth moving. Boy, I hope something didn't... Uh, I hope I didn't have some Freudian slip that's going to get me <laughs> and, and some hot water. But again, no one's listening, so who gives a shit? All right. So, yeah, I'll save it. I'll save it and make it a little thing. So, let's just go ahead and go into the news. So, I, in case anyone hasn't seen, uh, the trailer was released for this movie. This is going to be the new Beverly Hills Cop. It's called Beverly Hills Cop Axel F. Um... So there it is. If you see, there's Eddie Murphy. That's Eddie Murphy in 2023, which is, I mean, boy, 
when something is a cliche, it's usually because it's true. Stereotypes, too, uh, I have found out. Now, obviously, you shouldn't just blanket that onto anyone who is part of that group. Um, but something isn't going to become a stereotype unless it is true for yeah, a decent amount of people. Again, doesn't mean you should think every single person in that group does or doesn't do that thing or is good at something or bad at something. However, it is because there's always exception to the rule. But cliches and stereotypes tend to be the rule. Uh, the old adage, black don't crack, has never been more apparent than in this picture right here. Pull it back up again. That is Eddie Murphy at, I mean, was Eddie Murphy like 60? He's got to be, got to be at least 60 years old. He looks the exact same as he did in Beverly Hills Cop 3. The most, that's the most recent one. <laughs> and like, he doesn't look any different and it makes no sense. I mean, I guess when you're, I mean, when you're just, you know, doing voiceover work and making $500 million a year. Yeah. You probably, <laughs> you're probably going to, you know. You don't got a whole lot of stresses to uh, age you faster. But, I mean, it is insane that Eddie Murphy still looks like Eddie Murphy. Because he could not. <laughs> I mean, he could not. He could look different. He could have done something to fuck himself up over the past, you know, 40 years. But he has not. Yeah, 40 years. But he has not. He, now... So that so that's you know positives. Uh, again, maybe I should. I'm thinking about trying to be a more positive person and not just immediately shit on everything that I see. So there was the positive. Eddie Murphy uh, proves black don't crack. Sixty years old plus, still looks the fucking exact same. Positive. Flip side. This movie is going to be absolute dog shit. <laughs> There's no chance. There is no chance this movie is good. They should not do this anymore. Don't do this. If by some miracle, my if I am to have a legacy of any sort, and I've fucking been on this soapbox for, I mean, goddamn, since I was 10, probably. Um, I mean, I, I've been, this is my Sermon on the Mount. And it has been for a very long time. Stop remaking movies. Stop making sequels to movies that are 40 years old. Stop doing it. Stop rebooting shit. Stop remaking stuff. Stop making sequels. Make something new. This movie is going to suck. Now granted, the third Beverly Hills Cop also sucks. Not a good movie. But the first two Beverly Hills Cops are... It's like, I mean, arguably one of the best movies of the 80s are Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. Like, it is, it's the same thing with Ghostbusters, which I've never even fucking liked that movie anyways. But then you, you know, make fucking Girlbusters, and it ends up being a huge flop. Can't imagine why. Um, I mean, there's just so many. You remake Point Break, which I know came out in the 90s, but you remake it and make it like, way more serious it's basically like triple x but like i mean it's crazy that i just said triple x <laughs> as an example for a serious <laughs> movie but 
like you are like it's not as like cool as it was in the 90s and all you did was reverse the hair color <laughs> the good guy is now blonde and the bad guy uh is has dark hair that's all you did that's all you did for the fucking point break movie and people somehow want to see that bullshit and people are going to go see this well actually i think this is just coming out on netflix which another i love going to movie theaters always have i worked in a movie theater it was to this day, the greatest job I ever had. If it paid more than minimum wage, I would not do this bullshit. I would still be working at that goddamn movie theater. And I would be happy as a clam. Um, it it might be the peak of my life. <laughs> Which is sad as shit because I was like 16 to 19. But regardless, I loved working in that movie theater. Uh, and this is obviously... A little bit before the whole like Marvel boom, where every fucking movie that comes out is a Marvel movie, which I do complain about a lot. But also at that time, it was Twilight, Hunger Games, and Harry Potter, which I love Harry Potter, but fuck Twilight and Hunger Games. But you know, there was one of those goddamn movies coming out every weekend. So I guess, you know, to go off on a bit of a tangent, probably shouldn't complain about that so much. Um, but yes, it was one of the highlights of my life. Was getting paid. every two weeks to, you know, sweep up goddamn popcorn. And I loved it. Uh, And I love the idea of movie theaters. Now, to kind of prove my point, said movie theater that worked out is gone. (laughs) It's probably going to be turned into a, I mean, if I had to guess, a car lot or a church. Because that's about all there fucking is. Um, So it's gone. And pretty devastating actually because i had a lot of good memories of this place movie theaters are and you know not to sound too you know well i'm not gonna say but you know not to sound whatever um they're magical places like the cinema is should be is i mean the government sponsors libraries and as much as i do like reading books uh despite what you may think uh they're way less important than movie theaters because for one movies are better than books now obviously there's a million people who've done a tirade on how movies are better than books so i'm not going to do that but they are uh movies wouldn't exist if books didn't you know if books were better there would be less movies vice versa that's how that works uh supply and demand movies are awesome books pretty good but nowhere near as awesome uh, like there is not a book version of a movie that I liked more. Just isn't. Now I like read The Exorcist not that long ago because it's one of my favorite movies, and I was like, "Fuck, you know what? I have not read this book in a long time. Gonna read it." Movie movie version's way better, and it's the same for fucking anything. Uh, Great Gatsby. As much as those movies all fucking suck, it's still better than that book because that book also sucks, but sucks way more because it takes you fucking eight hours to go through the book, two hours to go through the movie. Uh, so, boy, I am about as lost as could be right now. Where, what was I talking about? Movie theaters. So, movie theaters, very important places, uh, to me. I think places that should be protected at all costs. Fuck libraries. Burn down libraries. Uh, Fahrenheit 451, that shit. Um, whatever other shit governments sponsor, you know, you could damn near get rid of almost any of them. Government should take over fucking movie theaters and keep movie theaters open. 
uh, and then movies just, but this whole thing of like movies going straight to streaming pisses me the fuck off. And I know that it's way more convenient. And if both options are available, am I more likely to just stream the movie at my house and save the, you know, you know, $200 that it costs to go to a fucking movie? Yeah, probably so. So I'm a hypocrite, uh, which should be more than abundantly clear by now. Uh, but that being said, it does just make my fucking blood boil every time that I see a trailer for a movie and then it has like the little boom, boom Netflix bullshit come up. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, just make a movie come out in the fucking theaters. Uh, now, granted, I have not been to a movie <laughs> in a long time. So I'm kind of like, boy, I am really like the problem. God damn, I am. I am really part of the problem. Because I am way more likely to stream legally and illegally um, a movie before I am to go see it in theaters now. Because it is so much easier. But that shouldn't be how it should. That shouldn't be how it is. This shouldn't be a thing. Netflix needs to go back to just sending DVDs. <laughs> That's, it needs to go back to that. Because I also enjoyed movies more then. Like now I'm way more likely to get bored with a movie. It's like I used to be able to just sit around and watch movies all day. And I did. Clearly. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't exactly much of a balancing act between, you know, uh, calisthenics and uh, movie watching. <laughs> but yeah, I would like spend all summer just binge, just watching movies all day. As soon as one's over, put in a different one. And like whatever's coming on TV, oh, this movie's coming on, set to record, record it, watch it, delete it. And I did that. I mean, I would probably go through... I remember in one summer I kept count because I was like, I don't remember. For some reason I kept count. I actually, I mean, it's the just, I mean, it is for sure the autism that is flowing through my veins. Um, but there's something that I like about making lists. <laughs> and so I kept a list of all the movies that I watched in one summer. And it was about 114, if I remember correctly. And that's in one summer, three yeah, roughly three months. And, yeah, never got bored once. Like, even movies that sucked, that I would know they sucked, like, halfway through, and I'd still be like, well, I'm not going to, like, not finish it. Now, I mean, if you're not getting me within the first 15 minutes, <laughs> I mean, I am moving on. And I also spend way more time looking for a movie than actually watching the movie that I find, which... I think might actually be a pretty common occurrence. But all that to say, this Beverly Hills Cop movie is going to be absolute dog shit. Uh, will I watch it? <laughs> yes, of course. Because as smart as sometimes I like to think I am, deep down, I'm an idiot. And I will fall for the, you know, run-of-the-mill idioc Id idiocies. That can't be right. Whatever. Run-of-the-mill stupidness that is, um, you know, most entertainment. I'm a sucker for all of it. I watch Real Housewives with Beverly Hills. Never made that hidden. Um, I'm a sucker for, like, trash TV, trash movies. Uh, fucking professional wrestling is, like, a religion to me. So, yeah. 
will 100% watch this. Um, like, am I going to pick that over... Like, I, I'm 100% watching that over probably any of the movies that are nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's, like, the list out yet. But I will go through that list and see, like, what are the chances that I've actually, as of now, watched any of these movies? And I bet... I mean, there might be one on that list that I've watched. <laughs> that I've watched. And, yeah. I mean just kind of how it is like I w- I'll yes I'll probably watch Beverly Hills Cop and you know the one uh, shining moment in this Beverly Hills Cop Axel F uh, trailer which I was pretty worried was not going to happen but it is happening Judge is back baby <laughs> Judge Reinhold is back and let me tell you something I mean I will die on this hill it is Marlon Brando Jack Nicholson, Judge Reinhold. <laughs> hey, I mean, L, watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Who could have done that role better than Judge Reinhold? I mean, probably, probably quite a few people, to be honest. But he was cast for some reason. It's because he is a fucking god of a thespian. Fuck De Niro. Fuck DiCaprio. De Reinhold. All right. <laughs> I should probably stop this shit before uh, it gets out of hand. Um, it's probably too late. All right, let's see if there's... I think there's like a couple more things going on in the world that we could discuss. There we go. Uh, this will make your fucking stomach uh, turn. So Doritos unveils nacho cheese-flavored booze that costs $65 a bottle. This is the first spirit to match the flavor profile of Doritos products. Now, let me say this. I don't know how long Doritos has been around as a company. Uh, nacho cheese Doritos, If I, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say nacho cheese Doritos. See, I mean, just, just so everybody can get another look and, like, what you're reading is real. Like, your eyes are not, you didn't just become dyslexic. <laughs> it's real. Now, so I don't know when Nacho Cheese Doritos, you know, changed the world. I would guess late 70s, early 80s. I feel like that's when most junk food uh, became a thing. Oh, fuck. Um, and so I'm, that's, that's, that is my shot in the dark. Uh, I'll stab is that. Nacho Cheese Doritos came out in, like, I would say mid-70s. Probably around the same time that, like, Different Strokes was on. Whenever Different Strokes was, like, you know, peak television, probably when Nacho Cheese Doritos came out. Are the two things connected? I, I don't know. You tell me. The flavor of a Nacho Cheese Dorito, it is not Nacho Cheese. Now, whatever the hell the flavor is, I don't know. I don't know what it's supposed to taste like. I don't know what food someone was eating and then tried the nacho cheese Dorito and said, hmm, this tastes the exact same. Don't know what it was. It was not nachos, because trust me, uh, I I have tried nachos in damn near any way, shape, or form, and I've never had a nacho that tasted like a nacho cheese Dorito. Also, don't know what Cool Ranch is. I know what ranch is, but I do not know why Cool Ranch is cool. Uh, it might smoke cigarettes, stay up late, 
drink and drive. Whatever the hell Cool Ranch does to be Cool Ranch. Awesome. But I don't know why it's called Cool Ranch. Uh, which is the superior flavor of Dorito, by the way. Cool Ranch. 100% beets, nacho cheese. Now, all this to be, you know, say that to say this. If you buy a, was it 56 or 65? Hold on. If you buy a $65 bottle of nacho cheese flavored booze, whatever it is. I did not read the article in depth enough to know whether it was like vodka. If I had to guess, it's probably vodka. It's probably the easier thing to like flavor with dumb fucking flavors. If you buy this, the person working at the liquor store should have every right to, while you are sticking your credit card into the little chip reader, looking down, they should have every right to pull out a, a fucking Louisville slugger and crack you across the goddamn forehead as hard as they can. <laughs> you should not be out in the world in any way. You shouldn't be a fucking trustee, uh, you know, not on a work release program. You shouldn't be in public for any reason. It is. Now I've tried to, you know, there's like, I mean, you can go to like any, the more rural, 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 rural. Who oh boy. I think I might be having a stroke. <laughs> rural, rural. Oh, God. Rural. The more rural uh, you get, the more likely you are to run into a gas station that has sodas that are kind of like gag sodas, like a gag gift, but also I don't think they are. I think you are supposed to drink them. And they're like flavored weird shit. I tried a buffalo wing flavored soda once, and... It was really hard for me not to immediately take that glass bottle of soda, crack it on a fucking, <laughs> crack it on a bar, and just slit my own throat with the uh, shards of glass. I've never felt more disappointed in myself than whenever I took a sip of a buffalo chicken flavored soda. Now, that thing cost about $2.58, roughly. This shit is, is it 56 or 65? God damn, I'm 65. This is a $65 bottle of, God, I mean, just the piece of shit that you'd have. Now, I will say, as I'm thinking about this out loud, mixing that with Mountain Dew is probably pretty fucking amazing. I mean, it'll make your heart shoot out of your goddamn nostrils, but probably pretty tasty. So, you know what? Take it back. Buy it. Buy the bottle. Uh, unharmed. And fucking drink a... Drink nacho cheese flavored goddamn vodka and enjoy your life. It is America, for God's sakes. Speaking of, um, a berry... Oh, boy. Alright, hold on. Take it down. Try it again. A Bay Area Ritz-Carlton sued after a woman was allegedly served semen-contaminated water. 
Now, the Bay Area, I'm pretty sure, refers to San Francisco. I guess Bay Area could mean anything. Anywhere where there's a bay. But Bay Area, you always think San Francisco, Oakland. And because it's a Ritz-Carlton, I'm going to guess San Francisco. <laughs> Although San Francisco is a shithole right now, too. But, um... Now, the fact that it is a Ritz-Carlton in San Francisco makes me think that, uh... This was more likely to be, uh... Water-contaminated semen. <laughs> Instead of semen-contaminated water. Uh, <laughs> now, again, back to the stereotypes conversation. Uh, I mean, I feel like they freeze that shit and use it as ice cubes in San Francisco. Um, so yeah, a woman in a woman in Red Scarlton uh, was served semen-flavored water, and well, not no, not semen-flavored water, semen-contaminated water. <laughs> Boy, semen-flavored water. Oh my god. Um, which I'm pretty sure is what Dasani is. So, because God, Dasani is the worst water ever. So, anyways, it it would be a real hard decision for me to make. if there was a glass of the <laughs> nacho cheese flavored booze and a glass of the semen contaminated. Because how much semen? does it really take for it to be semen contaminated? Because it could just be like a little drop and technically be semen contaminated. Or it could have the consistency of like, of like, you know, weak old gravy. Or like a jelly, you know, whenever like a jellyfish washes up on shore and it's been there for a while and people pick it up and kind of play with it. It could be like that being put into a glass. Now, let's just say it's a middle middle of the road level of of contamination. Um, which would you rather drink? Boy, I think it'd be. I bet if you mix the two, <laughs> if you mix the two, you'd probably you probably end up with a baby uh, that's born with a soul patch. <laughs> if I had to guess. Like, that is how you make a test tube baby that ends up, uh, you know, in the X Games. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. How gross. I mean, it's also, it'd be interesting to just know how the jizz got in the glass. Because in my mind, I'm immediately going to what is probably not the most logical conclusion, but it's definitely what came into my mind first. And it's that there was a group of guys in the back. Say, so yeah, it's in a Ritz Carlton. So let's say it's in the, uh, you know, one of the restaurants in the Ritz Carlton. My immediate reaction is that four or five of the cooks are in the back and they have a glass of water on a counter 15 feet away. They are all standing uh, shoulder to shoulder, um, sans trousers. And just beating off and seeing who can shoot it into the glass. <laughs> and the last one to shoot it into the glass has to drink the glass. That's what I imagine happens. Um, and then they, you know, manager comes in. They're about to get caught. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, here's that lady's water. <laughs> That's what I think. Then again, could just be that somebody was being a real piece of shit and jizzing a lady's glass of water. Either way, 
don't do that. That's not a, you can't be doing that to people. All right. So I think that'll do it for uh, the news of the day. Um, actually, I did. So I am going to go through. Uh, you know, what? I haven't done this in a while. I haven't done a good movie review. And I did watch a movie yesterday, two days ago, that, I mean, is really, a, you know, a landmark in American cinema. And I would sure like to do the review. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, so without further ado, we'll do a little uh, Cody Tucker's movie review. Here we go. Okay. So been a little bit since I've done this. Um, but it's always a fun thing to do. Uh, so I watched a movie, yeah, two days ago. I had not seen this movie in a long time and forgot how much of just an incredible work of art this film is. Like, this is not a movie. This is a film. Um, completely robbed at the Oscars. Lost to, I believe, Million Dollar Baby. I think. 2004. Pretty sure Million Dollar Baby came out in 2004. So, yeah. Lost to Million Dollar Baby. Which, holy shit. One of the worst movies ever made. Like, I mean, you could definitely go through. Which I might do that as a segment too. And go through and just like. Review the all the Oscar Best Picture winners. Might make that like a podcast itself. Um. I don't know, just spitballing. Uh, but Million Dollar Baby is <laughs> such a terrible fucking movie. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, it, crazy that that was a Best Picture winning movie. Fucking Million Dollar Baby. This movie came out, I believe, that same year. So, completely robbed by fucking Hillary Swank. And, you know, boy, Clint Eastwood is just a curmudgeon of a fella. All right. So, this movie is the 2004 masterpiece of cinema. The film starring Dwayne Johnson, Walking Tall. (laughs) This movie is incredible. I have not seen Walking Tall since I was a late. Maybe a couple years after it came out. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Now... I mean, obviously, this movie is a 10 out of 10. Could be right up there with, you know, Citizen Kane and, um, you know, Fried Green Tomatoes. <laughs> it is, I mean, a, a true masterpiece. Like, when I, I keep saying masterpiece, and it's not because that's the only word I can think of that, like, is a, you know, that means that. Uh, it's not that at all. it's that I need it the point to be made to whoever is hearing this that if you are not watching this movie within the next 30 minutes then what the fuck are you doing with your life this movie so I'm just going to do a little rundown of this movie no pun intended Uh, and there are going to be some spoilers Maybe not too many. I'll try to leave some of the spoilers out because really, if you haven't seen it, I mean, you you are missing out on really a life-changing moment. Um, 
it's a story of you know one man's struggle to right the wrongs of his town and you know with a little help from you know some friends who are it's it's the small guy who is played by the rock <laughs> taking on the power it's you know the ultimate man versus machine type movie um so this is the IMDb summary of Walking Tall. A former U.S. soldier returns to his hometown to find it overrun by crime and corruption, which prompts him to clean house. And boy, does he. So, the sergeant in question, fellow by the name of Chris Vaughn, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now, Sergeant Chris Vaughn is returning from the military. He lives in a um, just a real kind of backwoods, nowhere place. I think I had the name. Yeah, Kitsap, Washington. So he is coming back to this little town. It's a, um, you know, like a uh, forestry type community. Basically like, kind of like the October sky, but West Coast. So like what coal mining is to October sky, wood shit is to Kitsap, Washington, walking tall. So when he leaves to go, uh, you know, serve his country, Bravely, I might add. <laughs> he leaves behind a town that is booming from, you know, the wood-making business. I guess just cutting down trees and, like, sawing them into poles. I don't know really what forestry, like, what all it entails. I assume just cutting down a bunch of fucking trees. Lumberjacking. Now, when he leaves town, doing great. It's a great town where people walk tall <laughs> and uh, goes to defend his country against just fucking terrorist scum comes back town is much different town is no longer a town where people walk tall <laughs> this is a town where in this gap of time uh, of you know his uh, enlistment lumber mill is closed down now, obviously, that's where the majority of the people in this town work. They no longer have a job. No more lumber mill. Except for a new enterprise that opens up in the town. This enterprise is a casino. And it is now the only uh, money-making venture in the whole town. So, people are very protective of said casino. Maybe a little too protective. Might even be overlooking uh, some criminal activity occurring in a casino, which, I mean, I, as baffling as it sounds, <laughs> I mean, I know it makes no sense that there would ever be criminal activity in a casino in, uh, what was it again? Kitsap, Washington. But there may or may not be. Uh, one person's going to find out for sure, though. Bet you can't guess who. Now, enter Sergeant Chris Vaughn coming back. Seeing his town, driving through, and realizing, oh boy, this is not the same town I left. The town I left, you know, people walk tall. Coming back, people do not walk tall. No tall walking in this town anymore. Uh, people are kind of afraid. A lot of drugs, drugs have taken over. Uh, crystal meth, specifically. Now, could there be a connection between the casino and the crystal meth uh, influx? Well, we'll see. So, Chris Vaughn, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, comes back, 
starts kind of visiting some old haunts, goes to see his family, all this stuff. Runs, uh, meets up with his friend, uh, who's played by Johnny Knoxville, who should have won uh, Best Supporting Actor, to say the least. Johnny Knoxville and him end up going to visit the casino because they're like, oh shit, like there's a, uh, a casino. Mm, reverse. Before that, they uh, go in to play a little bit of a pickup football game, which, <laughs> I mean, they are just smoking the shit out of each other in this. I mean, there's no two-touch going on in this, which is, you know, pretty crazy as well. Enter, you know, very big truck with fellas coming out. Uh, one guy, blonde hair, blue eyes, played uh, actor Neil McDonough. Neil McDonough in Band of Brothers, Minority Report, been in a lot of stuff. Now, there's obviously a little bit of tension, but not really. It's like a little bit friendly, but there's obviously a bit of a um, difference between these two groups of people, between Johnny Knoxville's group and Neil McDonough's group. Uh, that will come into play much later into the movie. So, The Rock, Neil McDonough, football game, tensions, you know, the feud starts building within this football game. And so you start realizing, hmm, The Rock is the hero of this movie. Now, if there's tension with this fella, Neil Neil McDonough, which the character's name, I think, is, hold on, I wrote it down, I think. Jay something? Was it Jay? Yeah, Jay Hamilton. Neil McDonough playing character Jay Hamilton. So Chris Vaughn, The Rock, Jay Hamilton, Neil McDonough, Feud's getting a little more more and more tense and eventually comes to a head during the football game. So, in your mind, you're obviously thinking, ah, so that must be the villain. Now, not just because there's a little bit of attention with him and The Rock, but blonde hair and blue eyes, which, (laughs) I mean, you do not have to be a fucking uh, Ivy League historian to know. Blonde hair and blue eyes, immediately connected to bad, bad shit. So... Later, uh, John Knox was like, oh, I'm going to take you to the casino. It's like your little welcome, you know, homecoming uh, bash. Take him to the casino. What do you know? Casino owned by blonde hair and blue-eyed Jay Hamilton. Uh, so now you're starting to piece together that, huh, there might be, you know, suspicious activity afoot, and he might be uh, the prime suspect of said activity. Now, at one point, The Rock is sitting in a room where they're going to have this stripper come out, and she's standing behind a glass and does like a little like solo lap dance thing. It's a real fucking weird uh, part of this movie, to be honest. And crazy as it seems, he starts noticing the person, the stripper, who's wearing like a firefighter uh, costume. And he's like, huh, she looks a little familiar. And what do you know, it's like an old fling from way in the past, who, might I say, way too uh, put together. To be a stripper in fucking Kitsap, Washington. No bruises. No visible, uh, yeah, no visible bruises or C-section scars. And as far as I could tell, all 32 teeth completely intact. So already, you know, suspension of disbelief is getting raised up a little bit. You're like, okay, in real life, this woman would, you know, would probably have the voice of, like, Harvey Firestein. So... All of this is going on. He meets her. They're talking, and you know, and, and of course, because she has a kid, single mother, she's got to become a stripper. There's nothing else you could do. You couldn't go work at a fucking uh, Piggly Wiggly. God no. You have to become a stripper. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with you know stripping. You know, taking your clothes off for money is a completely legitimate uh, 
career path. I ain't judging you for one thing, uh, for any of it. So, <clears throat> all right. So that happens, runs into her, blah, blah, blah. Now, uh, old Dwayne The Rock Johnson starts kind of picking up on maybe some cheating going on in the casino on the side of the casino itself. And he starts calling out uh, one of the uh, craps dealer people saying, hmm, I, if I'm not mistaken, these are loaded dice. And then, of course, this turns into a massive thing where The Rock is realizing, oh, shit, like, I have stumbled onto a like an actual conspiracy. Chinatown, if you will. And, uh, you know, I, being the goddamn Rock, will not let this stand. So <laughs> I'm going to have a full beatdown with every motherfucker <laughs> in this casino, which he does. Boy, there is Rock Bottom's all over the place. Now, eventually, he ends up getting fucked up, and they end up slicing him up with a box cutter, which is a real dark moment in the, <laughs> this movie. We were like, holy shit, they just like basically gutted him with a box cutter. And, of course, he ends up being fine. Tons of scars all over his body, which uh, seem to miraculously disappear and reappear uh, throughout the next, you know, 45 minutes of the movie. But then this turns into a thing where The Rock is wanting to press charges. Sheriff, uh-uh. No way. No way you're pressing charges. The, this motherfucker is keeping this town alive. He's the only person. Yeah, we know he's you know up to no good. Possibly giving crystal meth to children. Uh, but that's better than, you know, they're not being a uh, center of commerce within our uh, city. So Sheriff's like, I'm not doing shit about this, Chris. Uh, you know, thank you for your service, but get the fuck out. And The Rock is like, okay, well, uh, I'll do something about it. He ends up suing him, pressing charges, and uh, eventually represents himself in court. Which, I mean, you can ask any lawyer on earth, and they will tell you, never represent yourself in court. But, because this is a movie, and not real life... He ends up becoming basically fucking Johnny Cochran <laughs> and is able to, you know, win over the people and say like, and also announce his uh, candidacy for uh, sheriff of said city in which he promptly wins. Now, when he wins uh, the election, becomes sheriff, fires every single cop in the city. Now, I am not necessarily like a criminally minded person. I tend to obey the law in most cases. If I were a criminal and I just caught wind that every cop in the entire city is no longer a cop, that this entire city of people, so I'm, I mean, obviously Kitsap, Washington, not a, you know, Metroplex by any stretch of the imagination, but still it's a city. If I heard that there was one cop in the entire city, I don't care if it's The Rock, Brock Lesnar, fucking, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, IRS, you know, Erwin Scheister, uh, <laughs> I don't care. It could be Mr. Perfect or Mr. Wonderful, uh, Mr. Fuji even. I am committing so much crime. I am robbing 
everyone I can find. Stealing shit, robbing shit, looting shit. I'll I'll burn down a, a gas station, maybe. Like, <laughs> that city would have gone tits up so fast. And yet, it doesn't. Everybody just kind of, like, you know, does their own shit. And then, of course, The Rock single-handedly attempts to take down Neil McDonough, Jay Hamilton, and his uh, casino enterprise. Meanwhile, you know, there's all kinds of, like, attacks going from one to the other. Lots of close calls. Johnny Knoxville almost dies. His parents, houses getting burned down. A police station getting shoot up, shot up. A lot of stuff is going on in this uh, in this town. Now, I will say, if you so that's basically the movie. And of course, The Rock saves the day, and you know has a massive fight with Jay Hamilton, Neil McDonough, which. Neil McDonough, if I had to guess, it's probably about 5'10", 5'9". Maybe, let's say 5'10", 5'11", even. Not particularly uh, swole individual. Yet, is somehow completely holding his own <laughs> in a fight with Dwayne Johnson, who has taken every steroid known to man. Probably even ones that most people don't know about. Like... Like, there are steroids that some people, bodybuilders used to take that, like, they would give to bulls to, like, beef them up. And, like, bodybuilders used to take them. 100% Dwayne Johnson is also taking said steroids. Uh, or you could just believe that it's his hard work and determination. <laughs> okay. Um, but somehow that fight isn't... I mean, in in reality... The uh, Dwayne Johnson would have cracked that fucker one time and fights over uh, movie ends. <laughs> this is it. Um, he also decides not to carry a gun. Uh, basically, like the Batman of Kits Kits. Uh, well, God damn, I'm never gonna remember it. The basically the Batman of Kitsap, Washington. He's like, I'm just gonna carry around a giant fucking stick, and that's what I'm gonna fight crime with. Okay, um, now. So there's the movie. That's basically the movie in a nutshell. Um, again, cinematic masterpiece. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. And I will say, if you're a drinker, there's a pretty good drinking game you could do. Uh, now, most of this won't start revving up until about halfway through the movie. But once it does, so you might want to take it slow for the first half of the movie. Maybe not even have a drink. And wait for the second half of the movie. Especially like right there in the middle. Once that middle kick uh, kicks in. Take a drink. Every time that Dwayne Johnson says, This is my town. <laughs> he says, This is like everything. Everything that happens is, I'm not going to let this stand. This is my town. Here, this is, and I mean, every time he says that, take a drink. And you will have, I mean, you will end up, I mean, you'll end up bond-scotting yourself real quick. Shit, you'll be fucking uh, Chandler Bingen. <laughs> like, within, I mean, definitely by the time uh, ending credits. Uh also, just want to read a little bit of a quote from the uh, courtroom speech he gives whenever he represents himself as a lawyer, which is already fucking bananas. Um, 
I grew up in this town. People used to walk tall in this town. They wouldn't have traded the mill for a crooked casino, and they wouldn't have stood around while drugs were being sold to kids. And boy, I'll tell you what, I got fucking... I mean, I was harder than fucking Portland cement during that scene. God damn. He took back his fucking town. Single-handedly. Not single-handedly. Johnny Knoxville helped. But still. God. I mean, I wish so. I wish a motherfucker would try that shit in my town. I mean, I wouldn't do a goddamn thing. <laughs> I'd probably, I'd 100% be part of the problem. Be like, oh, there's a crooked casino in that city? Hell yeah, I'm going. Yeah. Well, anyways, so there was the 2004 cinematic masterpiece that uh, was Walking Tall. So, if you get the chance, check it out. You will be uh, highly impressed. This is a movie that came out damn near 20 years ago. And I just did a 20-minute review. I just did a 20-minute review on a movie that has been out for nearly two decades. God, I did not think this is where my life was going to be. Oh, well. All right, time to move on to a little bit of, maybe try to redeem myself a little bit and do a little bit of the old, uh, some history lessons. First, start off with a uh, where that come from. Uh, you know, take a word or uh, word or phrase and see where did that come from. All right, here we All right, so for where that come from, going back in time a little bit to the silent film era. So this is a time where the movie industry started taking off. Um, I mean, they were making so many movies back then. So in the 1920s, during the height of the uh, silent film era, they were making, on average, 800 movies a year, which is way more than they're making today. Um, So there were way more movies being made back then. Also, way cheaper to go see a movie back then. So in today's money... The average ticket price cost a dollar and fifteen cents in today's money. Yeah, so super cheap, super affordable, and tons of movies coming out. So it was very common for people not only to just go see a bunch of movies, but also to see the same movies over and over again. It hardly cost anything, and uh, yeah, I mean it was like a cool form of entertainment. Not a whole lot going on in the twenties, so people would just go see movies. They go see them over and over. Now. During this era, there's obviously tons of different kinds of movies being made. There's dramas, action, comedy, horror, um, historical, like, epics. Bunch of different kinds of movies being made, just like there are today. Um, Now, most silent films were boring as hell. (laughs) And not just by today's standards. They were boring back then, too. Like, there was a lot of just drawn-out dialogue scenes. Um... You know, with obviously like the words on the screen, like seeing the person say the words and then seeing the words on the screen. So basically the dialogue scenes go twice as long. So yeah, even back then, people started getting bored of that. And they're saying, hey, like, you know, we want to see the good stuff. Now, also back then, there was, again, a lot of, t- a, a lot of dialogue, very little action. But... People love the action scenes. People love seeing the action scenes in movies just like they do now. And it was very common for people in the crowd who had seen these movies multiple times to shout back at the uh, person working the projector, basically saying, like, we want to see the action. Like, you know, 
skip all this bullshit. Like, show us the action. And back then, like, the action scenes would be, you know, like a fight, some sort of chase, like all kinds of different stuff going on in the action scenes. Well, the studios started catching wind of this and were trying to, like, encourage directors to make more entertaining movies. So, the director would make his movie, send it back to the producers. The producers would review it, take a look at it, and make notes to send back to the director. One of the most common notes that would get sent back to the director for that movie were the same phrase that the people in the crowd were shouting to the person in the projector. And it was, cut to the chase. (laughs) Stop showing so much dialogue. Cut to the chase scenes. So cut to the chase would get written on tons of these movies when they got sent back back to the directors. And that's why, to this day, we still say cut to the chase. Yeah. Crazy. All right. So time to move on to a little bit of the old uh, half ass. All right. So time for a little bit of the old half ass history. Got some pretty good ones here. Um, hopefully you enjoy them. So the first one, going back to 1996. Now this is a story that you probably, you may not know the actual story itself, but you definitely are familiar with the, um, what came from this story so we're going back to 1996 so in 1996 uh there was a nine-year-old girl and her brother riding their bikes in arlington texas so 1996 arlington texas nine-year-old girl and her brother riding their bikes um the brother ends up leaving to go home the girl doesn't want to go home so she decides to stay and ride her bike a little bit longer so the brother a little bit later comes back to where his sister was. He comes back with his grandfather. Well, when he comes back, little girl, gone. No trace of her except her bike. Bike still laying there, but the girl is gone. So they immediately assume, yeah, she's been kidnapped. So they rush back home, tell uh, her parents everything. They alert the police, tell the police, like, okay, like our nine-year-old girl is missing. Like, we don't know what happened to her. Well... Uh, the police start, you know, kind of looking for the parents are like, no, we need more attention to this. Like we need more people looking. So the, uh, the mother and the father of this nine-year-old girl call like all the media sources and start and call the FBI. So they're reaching out to the media, reaching out to the FBI saying like, we need more attention. Like we need more people looking. And this begins like a massive search for their nine-year-old daughter. And the search goes on for like days and days, people looking everywhere for this girl. Well, four days later, a man's walking around with his dog, and they find the body of a little girl. And it is the same little girl that had gone missing four days earlier. Uh, So they find the body of the nine-year-old girl that everybody's been looking for. She had been murdered and left less than five miles away from uh, where she had been abducted. So less than five miles away. Like she was right there. And they somehow nobody found, like nobody knew. Like she had been there that entire time. And this ends up creating like a media frenzy of like how could that happen? Um, Like who did this? 
Maybe it was somebody that they knew. Maybe it was a stranger, like a just you know psychopath. Somebody could have just been driving by, saw her, saw her alone because the brother was gone. Said, "Oh, well, we're going to kidnap this girl." Either way, you know, the for her to be found less than five miles away is wild. Now, you may not know that whole story. You may have never heard that story, which is, yeah, probably pretty normal. So, and also. To this day, no one knows who did this. Like, there is no clue who kidnapped and murdered this little girl. No one knows. It is, it is still a cold case. It's yet to be solved. Now, you may have never heard of that story before. But, you have heard of what happened later. So, that little girl's name was Amber Hagerman. And, to this day... We still recognize that name every time that our phone goes off and we hear an Amber Alert. So that's where Amber Alert comes from. It's from this little girl, Amber Hagerman, who was kidnapped. And, uh, well, you know, things did not end well at all. And it's still a mystery. Nobody knows what happened. So there's the first one, which, you know, obviously isn't about like a famous person or anything. But, you know. I think everybody knows what an Amber Alert is, so I think it's pretty fascinating. All right, so time to move on. All right, so here we go. So this next one is going to be is a pretty interesting one for sure. So it's the story of a fellow named Morris Weinrib and a woman named Mary Rubenstein. So Morris Weinrib, Mary Rubenstein, both born in Poland, raised in Poland, both Jewish, Morris is born in 1920, Mary born in 1925, uh, in Poland. Now, fast forward to the beginning of, uh, so fast forward to early stages of World War II, they, both being Jewish, not in a great place. So, Mary gets taken to a ghetto, as does Morris. Now, at this time, they don't know each other. Mary and Morris are just two Polish uh, Jewish people who have been put in a ghetto. They both get sent to Auschwitz, which, I mean, basically a death sentence. Like, if you don't know a lot about um, this era of history, boy, Auschwitz is... Auschwitz might be the most terrifying singular place in world history. So both of them end up in Auschwitz. They end up meeting each other, and somehow start a romance in the midst of like all this horror begin a romance together and Morris in an attempt to kind of woo Mary would bribe the guards into letting him like give her gifts so he would like give her shoes like any little amenities that he could get his hands on he would try to give to Mary so he's like bribing the guards and the guards are you know letting him do it and yeah they end up starting a full-on romance in Auschwitz. Now, fast forward a little bit, Mary ends up getting taken from Auschwitz and sent to Bergen-Belsen, another horrifying place. Morris ends up getting taken to Dachau, an also horrifying place, but now they are separated. There's no communication back and forth. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? Somehow, both of them survive. So the both camps are liberated, both of them have somehow survived all this time. Now, Morris is like, I have to know what happened to Mary. 
I have to find Mary and just, I have to know. Cause in his head, he's probably thinking she's probably gone. Like, I mean, that would be kind of the common ending for most of the people who were at these camps. So Morris is probably in his head thinking she's got to be gone, but I still have to know. He ends up somehow finding Mary. He finds her at a Bergen-Belsen displaced persons camp, and she is alive. He ends up like restarting the romance. They get married and move to Canada. After they've gotten married, moved to Canada, in 1953, they have a little boy named Gary Lee Weinrip. Well, the mother, uh, Mary, has, you know, pretty strong Polish accent. And with that Polish accent, Gary sounds like Getty. So, <laughs> this child starts going by the name Getty Lee. And, yeah, ends up making a little band called Rush. So yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy story. <laughs> All right, time to move on to the last one, and bet you can't guess who this. All right, here we go. So last one of the day, and believe it or not, <laughs> it's about the uh, the one and only Steven Seagal. So this actually, I think, is going to end up being the last Steven Seagal one that I do because. Oh, man, I mean, I could probably keep going. I might keep going. But as far as I know, this is probably going to be the last one. So now, I mean, we're going into a dark, dark side of Steven Seagal. So Steven Seagal, apart from being a complete liar uh, and just kind of dork, a bit of a douche, he's also, I mean, just a horrible person. So Steven Seagal has a long history of, I'll say alleged, but long history of doing horrible things to actresses that he has worked with or attempted to work with. And it goes, I mean, there is a list of these, um, we'll just say horrible interactions with actresses. So one of them, the pretty well documented is with the actual uh is with the actress julianne margulies so julianne margulies from er um they have an altercation a bit of a an attempted sexual altercation in which steven seagal got pretty upset with her and pulled out a gun so yeah not good that is not the only thing that Steven Seagal has pulled out <laughs> in front of an actress. So, an actress by the name of Portia de Rossi uh, had something else pulled out on her. And, obviously, Portia de Rossi, you know, married to Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, this is quite a bit before that. Uh, Steven Seagal was basically trying to make a move on her, and it was not reciprocated. Uh, also, <laughs> one time was going to make a movie with Jenny McCarthy. At one point, Jenny McCarthy was, you know, going to audition for a role that she would be co uh, co-starring with Steven Seagal. Well, uh, Steven Seagal asked Jenny McCarthy to come do basically like a line reading together alone. During this time together, 
he said, well, there's going to be, you know, some nude scenes in the movies. So uh, he said, you know, there's going to be some nude scenes in the movie. So it would help if I knew what you looked like with your clothes off. <laughs> and so he asked her to take her clothes off. And Jim McCarthy's like, uh, I don't know about this. Well, it turns out, um, you know, as obvious, I mean, as crazy as this might sound, uh, there were no nude scenes written for this movie. Steven Seagal was just being a complete slime ball. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, Steven Seagal has done this to multiple people. There are at least 12 women who have come out and said that Steven Seagal has committed some sort of assault towards them. Now, to go into, I mean, really kind of opening a can of worms here, but boy, it's a wild one. In 2010, there was a woman who was hired to be Steven Seagal's executive assistant. This woman ends up going to Steven Seagal's house and finds two Russian women. Now, these two Russian women are, to put it mildly, um, Steven Seagal's sex slaves. That is basically what uh yeah what they're there for they are there to fulfill steven seagal's sexual needs whenever he needs those needs fulfilled uh some might say sex slave <laughs> uh i'm not necessarily saying that that's what they are but uh the shoe kind of fits and then this has kind of spawned a bit of a story that that there might be a chance that Steven Seagal has been sex trafficking young Russian women. <laughs> Dude, he is a monster. Steven Seagal is a horrible person. I think that's probably gonna be the last one I do. Um, yeah, before I'm, you know, taken out by Mr. Akito. So yeah, there's a, there's another one to kind of wrap everything up. Oh boy. That's a that's a crazy one. I mean, there's no fun in games <laughs> in that story at all. But hey, as is life. So there you go. That'll do it for today's episode. Um, you know, if I'm still around by next week, if Seagal hasn't <laughs> tried to take me out, uh, well, then I'll see you next week. Alrighty. <laughs>